Rwanda's central bank monetary policy has maintained the key repo rate at 4.5%. In this episode, we bring you the conversation with Honorable John Rangoba, Rwanda's central bank governor, on matters inflation and the resilience of the banking sector in Rwanda. Good morning, Africa. Welcome aboard your Pulse and Everything Business in Africa. I am Ruth Dong. For more, follow us on Twitter at The K Financial, and you can find me at Ruth Dong. Rwanda's central bank monetary policy maintained the key repo rate at 4.5% at the latest MPC statement. With the economy having grown by more than 20% in quarter two, the central bank boss expects a stronger growth in the second half of the financial year. So, what were the key factors that informed the decision to maintain the repo rate at 4.5%? Yeah, I think for mainly two, uh, supported by two factors. Uh, number one, as you said, the... Now, let me start with our main mandate as a central bank is uh, price stability, and that is normally around inflation. Uh, so our inflation is very low. In fact, it was uh, negative in the third quarter. And so that in itself requires an accommodative monetary policy to try and push up economic activity and therefore push up prices to, uh, to, to, to at least our uh, medium objective of uh, 5%. So... One is really to, to, to address or to answer to that, uh, I would say, challenge of, of deflation, but also maybe I can explain it later, what, what, what we see behind this uh, negative inflation. But then number two, as you said, the economy has started picking up uh, from uh, the, 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 the decline of last year caused by COVID. So first quarter, we saw 3.5% growth. Last quarter, quarter two, we saw... Uh, around 20, I think 20.6% growth. When we look at our <clears throat> composite index of economic activities that we track at the central bank for the third quarter, we still see a strong growth. We, we, are, we will get to the final number from the Institute of Statistics, but the composite index shows still strong growth. It's at uh, 10, I think 10.6%. Uh, so that in case still we expect to see generally strong growth in the third quarter. So, and part of what has driven this uh, cover is fiscal, uh, fiscal measures taken by government, uh, opening up of the economy, of course, with the vaccination campaign we've seen. Also, monetary policy support has been supportive. And so we want to maintain that supportive stance of our monetary policy. That's why we maintained it at 4.5%. Uh, uh, to continue supporting economic recovery, but also deal with the velo inflation we have today. What have been some of the major drivers of inflation in this quarter? I I think it's um, funny that it's almost the same two things. It's uh, one, we have uh, had very good agriculture performance in the season B, and so the food prices have really gone down. Food inflation has been very big negative. And as you remember, food is, uh, I think, more than 23% uh, share of our basket. So that is the main driver of, of the uh, negative inflation. But then we had also some uh, 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 best effect. Last year, we, we, we had transport going up and then it was reduced and turned down. So there's been that, uh, that uh, best effect from, from last year. Uh, so I, that is smoothening out in October. Uh, so and in fact, we've started seeing uh, positive uh, uh, inflation. Was still low. I think for October, we had zero point six percent. 
And we expect this to continue picking up and next year we are anticipating it to be an average of 5.4%. So it's mainly really driven by supply uh, side uh, shocks or yes. The banking industry has continued to demonstrate resilience through the COVID-19 period. How can this resilience be maintained? Yeah, as you rightly said, we saw resilience of our financial sector, the entire financial sector, banks, insurance, microfinance, all the, the, the subsectors of the financial sector was strong, had strong, registered strong growth last year. Uh, now, focusing on banks, as you said, we, we've been carrying out reforms, regulatory reforms in the last uh, three to four years, I think, 2017, 2018. And that strengthened the capital buffers and the liquidity buffers of, of banks. Uh, but also, because we had good economic performance prior to COVID, the financial institutions had good business. And so they were making good business and they were making good profits. And part of that was retained. So there was good business, uh, good uh, regulatory environment that really uh, enabled uh, banks to, to maintain strong capital buffers and liquidity buffers. But there are also measures taken by us, the central bank and the government, when uh, COVID hit. So there are different measures that really supported the, 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 the resilience of the financial institutions. Do we expect to see this good performance to continue? I would say yes, though there is, there is a risk that we, we, we're monitoring that we see that was expected, in fact. Today, it hasn't yielded into reality. Uh, I think we said this from the beginning of, the, of COVID, the credit risk that was uh, uh, expected because uh, different borrowers had challenges with their income streams and therefore they are not able to service their loans. We gave allowances for restructuring uh, during that time and many uh, applied for, for, for that. But now most of them are back paying. So we haven't seen an increase in the non-performing loan. So the contract has slightly gone down from 5. Point, uh, I think it had gone 5.7 in June. Now it's down to 5.1. Uh, but we see increase in, uh, in uh, what we call loans in the watch category. Uh, so these are loans that uh, uh, are already showing signs of distress. Uh, so that has really increased to around 14% of the total loan book, uh, which is a concern. And so what we are doing with the following up with the banks is one, to keep close eye on these loans, but also to do proper provisioning as, as they, they, they monitor what is happening with, the, with these uh, uh, loans. So, but when we look at the strength of their capital uh, and the strengths of the performance this year. Already we see good performance in terms of their profitability. So we expect to, to, to the banks remain strong. Uh, and as the economy is picking up, of course, their business is also, is also picking up. Like credit to the private sector this year is uh, outstanding loans increased by 19.1%. New authorized loans are increasing double digits, I think around 18%. So we, we indications are that they still we still expect to see them registering strong performance. And here's a look at some of the stories featuring on the podcast. 
Heineken says it plans to buy South Africa's Distel Group Holdings and Namibia Breweries Limited to form a Southern Africa drinks group worth 4 billion euros, about 4.6 billion US dollars. The purchase of Distel would mark a push into wine and spirits for the world's second largest brewer with liquor brand Amarula and wines including well-known labels such as Nederberg. The Dutch brewer will pay out 2.6 billion US dollars for Distel. Heineken will also take control of regional partner Namibia and Breweries Limited, whose current market value is about 400 million euros. Vodacom may consider a separate listing of its main South African business to unlock value. The overall company, which also includes operations in Tanzania and Mozambique, trades in Johannesburg and could look at whether a carve-out of the domestic division makes sense. This is according to the chief executive officer, Shamil Josoub. The company, which last week agreed to buy a majority stake in Vodafone Group's Egypt unit, is also separating its telecom towers portfolio into a new unit. Josub's comment come as Africa-focused telecom firms look to wring more value out of their continent-wide operations. Vodacom's Johannesburg-based rival MTN is working on a deal to sell in Leesburg, South African mass, and, and has had its financial technology business valued at 87 billion rand ahead of its potential spin-off next year. Royal Dutch Shell has announced a major overhaul of its legal and tax structure that will see the company walk away from the Netherlands amid deteriorating relations with what has been its home country for a century. Shell said it plans to eliminate its current dual share structure, drop Royal Dutch from its name, relocate its tax residence to the UK, and move its top executives from The Hague to London. The Dutch government immediately said it was unpleasantly surprised by the announcement. Adoption of a simplified structure has been on the cards for years, but Shell's relations in its country of origin has become increasingly fraught of late. A quick look at the markets on Randa's Stock Exchange. Today's trading session recorded a turnover of 4,992,000 Randa francs worth of bonds traded in one deal on the fixed income market and 315,000 Randa francs from 7,000 IMR shares traded in one deal on the equities market. RSI and all shares index remained constant to close at 100 0.86 and 145.10 respectively. The IMR counter closed at 45 rand of francs and the trading session recorded a total turnover of 315,000 rand of francs from 7,000 shares traded in one deal. Now a look at the Nairobi Securities Exchange. A total of 12,740,300 shares in 1,097 deals corresponding to a market value of 540 million. 820,127 million Kenya shillings were traded. Compared with the previous trading day, the day's data shows 16% decline in volume, 18% improvement in turnover, and a 3% improvement in deals. The current market capitalization of the Nairobi Securities Exchange is 2.59 trillion Kenya shillings. In the aggregate, 48 NSE equities participated in trading, ending with 16 gainers and 23 losers. Express Kenya PLC led the gainers with an 8.57% share price appreciation, closing at 3.8 Kenya shillings per share, followed by Liberty that had an 8.2% share price appreciation. On the losing side, Standard Group came out last with an end-of-day price depreciation of 9.69% at 14.45 per share, followed by Elam Fahari at a 6.59% price depreciation. 
Safaricom PLC recorded the highest volume of 7.31 million traded shares, followed by Kenya Power Limited at 1.3 million shares traded. The benchmark NSC All Share Index declined 0.64 points to close at 170.83. The NSC 20 Share Index declined 2.44 points to close the day at 1,917.51. Thank you for waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of K Financial. And if you have any suggestions or you want to check out more stories, visit our website. That is akfinancial.com. And don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at Akfinancial. And you can find me on Twitter at the